0: is just so much bigger than me and he loves me where I'm at and that's how he feels about every other person as well. Um, So if he can love me and you know whatever brokenness I bring to him of course he can love others in that same way.
1: Hey everyone welcome back to another episode of Open Door Policy. I am your co-host Emily Mentock, and I'm super excited to be reunited with my co-host and joined today with
2: Father Patrick Gagnol, I'm super excited to be back. And Emily, you are back from a awesome experience in really where the heart of the church is, Rome. And uh, as we catch up, I'd love it. I mean, how often do you go to Rome, right? So Emily Mentak, we got to get like, what are your top three highlights from your journey to Rome?
1: Oh, I'm so excited to share them. Um, So I would say uh, uh, number three, was uh, praying at the tomb of St. Aloysius. So I shared Whoa. a lot on this podcast, you know, how grateful mm-hmm. I am for the community that we found when moving here at my parish, St. Yes. Aloysius. And mm-hmm. so um, I re- I learned that his body is actually buried in Rome at St. Ignatius Church, not Jesuit Church, um, St. Ignatius of Loyola Church. Mm-hmm. And so he went there, found his tomb. Um, he's a patron saint of young people and just prayed uh-huh. for our community at St. Aloysius uh, and gave him thanks Whoa. for all the ways that he's been interceding for us. Uh, so at least since, at least since uh, I've arrived, so just being so grateful. So that was really beautiful. Wow. Um, I have to say that the other one, as I returned to my favorite of the major basilicas, St. Paul mm. outside the wall. I love St. Paul so much. I love how he, you know, had a later in life conversion. Like I did. Mm-hmm. I love how he has such a heart for people who are the, we the unchurched, the Gentiles going out. I love how he used modern media and communication mm-hmm. to do his work. So I went to his tomb and I cried my eyes out. It was like so beautiful and powerful. Cause cool. I love him so much. Like people always talk about their St. Best friends. Like I love St. Paul so much. Wow. Uh, and then the top highlight has to be that I had an opportunity to meet Pope Francis. So I was in a group of communications uh, professionals who were invited to a private audience uh, with Pope Francis. I was one of about 45 people who got to meet Mm -hmm. him and um, the great blessing, in addition to hearing his message, which I didn't understand at the time because it was in Italian, but read afterwards <laughs> and was very inspired by it, um, was he actually greeted every single person who was there and shook their hand and like and gave just like the warmest smile and wow. greeting to every single person. And that was a once-in-a-lifetime thing, the greatest blessing of my life. Like I am so grateful Whoa. for the opportunity.
2: Yeah. When you started with number three, I thought that she's coming out strong. Like what's (laughs) number two going to be? Because St. Aloysius, I mean, how profound that you've been rooted in that community. And I do think that beautiful parish is uh, everybody's, you know, downtown parish, one of the nicknames for it, is going to be, if not already, a a continuing epicenter of of young adults down there. And that you, I mean, I'm sure Father Mario was pumped to hear that you were there interceding at the tomb of uh, uh, St. Aloysius. That's incredible. Now I have to ask you one follow-up yes. What was that like to meet uh, you know the the pope <laughs>
1: I was really nervous to be honest. Um, wow. but I will never forget like, cause I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces, right? He has his like seniors mm. and the staff who are there shuffling everyone along. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, it's, there's a lot of people to get through, but like the mm-hmm. moment of just like him looking at me and it felt mm-hmm. so warm. Also his hand was very warm and soft and just wow. like everything like loving and good. And, wow. um, yeah, it, and also just being so close to him. And, and honestly, at Rome in general, it's so inspiring, like to walk mm-hmm. around in such a holy city with so many <sighs> churches and so many examples of faith, like to walk around St. Peter's. I mean, you it's so it's <sighs> I would say it's like impossible to come back, like less inspired about our faith than when when you go like when you arrive. And so it wow. was really just the most amazing blessing. And yeah, I will never forget just Pope Francis, like looking at me in the eyes, and wow. smiling, <laughs>
2: Oh, praise so you, Jesus. I love it. And the Lord is clearly a little fire in your heart. You are always enthusiastic serving the Lord. But I don't want to put words in your mouth, but would you say, like, man, I got set on fire going to Rome, just a fresh fire.
1: Definitely. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, going back to your roots, like back to back to the source. Mm-hmm. And not that Rome is like the source. Mm-hmm. I mean the Holy Spirit's everywhere. It's definitely here in mm-hmm. Detroit. So like to kind of go back to that and then. Obviously the call then, and I I wrote about this, like in our little reflection that Mm. I shared, um, with like friends and stuff afterward Mm -hmm. that like to, you know, renew, like what, why are we doing this? What is our mission? And to go back like on mission with, right. with a renewed commitment to like say, okay, this is what I've been called to do. God's giving me these blessings because he's calling me to do other work. Like
2: that's that's really what it's about, so. Emily, thank you for being so generous. I know we've got an amazing guest who we I go do. way back with. But before we get there, would you just say a little prayer through the intercession of St. Paul, St. Aloysius, everybody who's hearing your voice would get to participate in this fresh uh, grace that that you're enjoying and the fire on your heart and it would stir in us. Oh, you use the words. It's all you, Emily. yes. <laughs> Ah. <laughs>
1: St. Paul, we just uh, give you thanks for your example of boldly unleashing the gospel, Mm -hmm. the way you did it in your time. Um, And we give you thanks for the way that you are interceding for us joyful missionary disciples here in the Archdiocese of Detroit. Um, Just ask that you intercede on our behalf that that same fire and love for Mm -hmm. the gospel and relationship with Jesus that you had in your time can be inspired in the hearts of everyone listening to this podcast Mm -hmm. and the people here in Southeast Michigan and St. Aloysius. Patron saint of young people Whoa. who we know listen to podcasts. We ask that you intercede on our behalf for that same fire for evangelization and love for the Eucharist to be inspired in the hearts of young people here in the Archdiocese of Detroit. Help us to make saintly friendships and relationships and work together mm-hmm. to just bring the good news of Christ mm-hmm. uh, to all. And we give you thanks for being our saintly friends. <laughs>
2: Awesome. We love you, Jesus. Father, yes, Son, Holy Father. Spirit, amen. We seal that prayer with a blessing. Thanks, I'm So, who's on deck?
1: All right. I know we're like. Five or so minutes in and already already we're praying and everything exciting, but I'm super excited to introduce our guest today. It's so funny, Father Patrick, I had this realization over Christmas break that we always are like being suspenseful about who our guest is, but there's no one who listens to the podcast who doesn't see the title of the podcast that says their name in it.
2: Uh, All right, I'm like, people think we're
1: like, we think we're like revealing a big thing and actually Mm. their names right there. So I am super excited to introduce today, Elizabeth Spencer, but I'm still going to share her fun facts so you guys can get a sense of what an awesome, fun person Uh, she is.
2: You guys don't know those. I
1: know. (laughs) Yeah. So Elizabeth is a mom of two, almost three. She is due with baby number three at the end of February. So maybe even around the time this podcast comes out, which is super fun and exciting. Um, She started cross-stitching you know, like sewing, cross-stitching during the pandemic as a hobby. And now she does it almost daily. And she also the kind of like almost the opposite of cross-stitching also loves running and has done several half marathons. Although currently she likes to kind of stick to walking on the treadmill because she is super pregnant. (laughs) So we are super excited now to welcome Elizabeth to the podcast. Welcome Elizabeth. Thank you. It's good to be here
2: great to see you, to have you on the podcast and your baby. Praise yes. the Lord.
0: Yes, <laughs> Babies on the mind. How are you about doing? About three... Good, um, definitely the third one has been a lot hard. I like, I'm much more tired. I got mm. two little ones running around, so, um, but no, good. My kids tend to be a little bit late, so I have about three weeks before baby comes, but it'll probably be closer to four mm. weeks i'm guessing
2: so is there before we get into kind of going back in time a little bit in the current it was there Well, a little bit back in time is there a particular grace being pregnant during the christmas season as you pray
0: yeah oh yeah i um when i had my first child she was an august baby and i remember thinking like oh i wish i could be like no i was pregnant during advent and with my second two I've been pregnant during Advent, and it, it's definitely, like, a, it makes what Mary went through a lot more real, and, like, even reflecting on, like, her pilgrimage, you know, um, to Jerusalem, it's, like, that's, like, insane to do that while you're pregnant, like, giving birth in a stable, and, you know, all the pictures. It's, like, she's just so happy holding this baby, and it's, like, uh, probably didn't really look like that, and, um, but, it yeah, definitely, like, you connect in a very different way um, to Mary and what she went through and kind of what she gives us as like our spiritual mother as well.
1: Mm-hmm. What a, what a beautiful grace to have that sort of mm-hmm. closeness to Mary and her, and her experience as a mother during that time. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I want to get uh, start by asking you, you know, a little bit about your life as a joyful missionary disciple. So what was your life? Like, I guess we always say, you know, before you were a joyful missionary disciple, but mm-hmm. what was your life like kind of leading up to the moment that you would describe as encountering Jesus? You know, what, what, what were things were you into? How old were you? Things like that.
0: So that's kind of funny. At, at um, I'm on the leadership team here at St. United State, University, and at our meeting this morning, we we're talking about somebody's testimony and how profound it was, and Father Steve and I kind of made the joke, like, yeah, I'm so waiting for my, like, super profound, like, moment, but um, I mean, I'm a cradle Catholic, so I've, I've been Catholic my whole life, and um, my family, I went to Catholic school my whole life until college. Um, and my family's always been very involved in talking about the faith and even debating like hot topics is like very, very normal in my family. Yeah. Um, so Jesus has always been there, but I would say like, for the most part, it was just kind of like what I did and what I was told to do. And I always felt connected to Jesus, but when it it really became personal, probably in high school, um, And the most personal became was, um, but I think I'm supposed to be focusing on the before right now. So but whatever. Yeah.
1: however you're feeling called to answer.
2: Amen.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just, so I just always like Jesus was always part of my life. We were very involved in our parish community. So like when I go to church, it was kind of like hanging out with my extended family almost, even though it wasn't like blood relatives. Um,
1: that's awesome.
0: Yeah. We were mm-hmm. just very involved in the church. So that was just always very normal
1: and a normal part of my life. Mm. And then you said in high school, it started to become more personal. Did you go, Father Patrick was just at the Rise uh, Youth Retreat this past weekend. So did you go on a youth retreat or something or have some, an experience like that in high school? How did you come to start to grow in that relationship with Jesus um, at that age?
0: So I actually, um, we, I did some stuff with the youth group at my, at the Catholic parish I went to, but I became involved with like a non denominational youth group. And having gone to like Catholic school my whole life, it was kind of just like a different approach to Jesus and more of an invitation to a personal encounter with Jesus that I hadn't necessarily experienced through like the academic side. And my my family's very like logical about everything. So like debates and all that stuff is fine, but getting really personal with Jesus wasn't necessarily as normal for me. Um, So on... Actually, right after I graduated high school, I went on a backpacking trip in Colorado with my non denominational youth group, and it was very, like, prayer-focused, and um, I'd never really been backpacking before. I didn't really know what I was doing, Um, but I remember, like, thinking about going off to college, and, like, all of a sudden, this community that was so ingrained in my life, and Mm. part of me would not be there, and I was going to Michigan State, so it was, like, Mm -hmm. the party school. We burned out. You know, all that fun stuff and I was nervous like would I give in and be like given to that culture or would I like stand strong like who was I and how would that play out in my life and I didn't really know and one of the days we um, left our backpacks at our campsite we normally got a new campsite every night but this time we stayed at our campsite and we just were supposed to pick up a rock we didn't really know why. And as we picked up, we so we picked up whatever, you know, the guys picked up the biggest rock they could find and those <laughs> were a little more mm. Um, but we carried the rock up like this the continental divide is what it ended up being. Mm-hmm. Um kind of hiked up this mountain, I guess.
2: Ah. Um and as
0: we would stop and read The Passion of the Christ as we went.
2: Whoa.
0: Um, and then when we got to the top, it was just we just had so, and it was kind of like, we were carrying our sin with us and our burdens with us. And then when we got to the top, we threw the rocks off when we were ready. Um, but I like held on to it for a while. Cause I was, didn't know if I could authentically like throw it off, you know, like, could I give all of my fears, my worries, could I give that to Jesus? And what did that mean? Um, and after a while, like, you know, crying on top of the mountain and all that stuff, I eventually like mm-hmm. threw it off and just like taking in the sight around you. It's like, all this untouched beauty, and I'm just this tiny, like, little person, but God still cares about me more immensely than he cares about the beauty around me, so that was pretty profound, and that's, like, I don't know if, like, I gave my life to Jesus or anything in that moment, but that's when I kind of realized, like, no matter what I was facing, he was with me in a personal way, not just, like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, not just going through emotions, but he was real in my life, um, so even if I was at a party school, and even if I was around people and things like that, like I could stand strong in who he was calling me to be because he loved me so much greater than I could imagine.
2: That is beautiful, and uh, you know when when you hear the scriptures of uh, you know uh, the transfiguration, Jesus on the mountaintop, and and Moses receiving the ten tablets, like you have your own literal mountaintop. Uh, encounter with the Lord that's really powerful and Elizabeth I'm just captivated by the story uh, you know no two people tell their story the same way and no two have the same story but I'm so curious and I think other people are too listening right now like what happened at college it's like this yeah. you know here here it comes Michigan State and all it has to offer of the flesh of the world and the devil no offense went to Michigan State but okay how did that go what happened then
0: yeah so it's um It's funny. I don't even know if my dad would remember this, but my like senior year of high school at one point, I, I like told him I was going to become non-denominational and like my, my dad's like the kindest man, you know, but he's very like, we're Catholic. We go to church every Sunday, like that's what we do. So you might think that he would be like, sit me down and lecture me or something, but he just kind of like let kindly like laughed it off. And it, it was almost like he knew that that couldn't happen. Like, Mm -hmm. like we've ingrained it, like the importance of the faith in you too much like this is home and you know it's home um so when i kind of went off to college i did kind of think that like i knew jesus and i knew he loved me but i didn't know if the catholic church if that was my home if that was you know the true faith um so at orientation my parents took me straight to the catholic church showed me where it was how to get there from my dorm. Um, the priest at the church actually is the same priest who married my parents, you know, 20 years before that. Amazing. so there's a connection. Oh. Um, And so I went to Catholic Church, but then I also got involved in like a couple, you know, non-denominational campus ministries. Um, so I still like, I did not like, I was, I'm not really a party for, I mean, I like hanging out and having fun, but mm-hmm. the party scene was never really my thing. So I didn't get wow. I didn't get drawn into that. But as far as like getting drawn into the Catholic faith, I was still very kind of like, I'm gonna kind of do this because that's what I was grown up to do. But I also, you know, feel like Jesus is real outside the Catholic Church. Mm. Um but yeah, there just God just put so many people in my life who helped me to To know that the Catholic faith is the true faith. And like even the Eucharist, like going to Catholic school my whole life, it still didn't mean to me what it should. Like I feel guilty saying this, but it didn't really mean much to me. Like somebody asked me at one point in high school what it was. I was like, oh, it's just like a symbol of Jesus. Like I went to Catholic school my whole life and that's what I told somebody. (laughs) So I didn't fully like understand or embrace that. And um yeah, so I think my parents walking into the church, like I don't know if I would have sought it out on my own, but god he knew i needed that so he placed that in my life um and uh there was a, a um some like you know quite a few cute catholic boys that lived in my <laughs> um so we would you know walked to church together and they were just like super solid in their faith and i would so. say like question things and they would just kind of give me a look like what who told you that or like they kind of challenged me on it and i didn't want to look dumb or, mm. you know in front of them so that made me think a lot um and and it, then also I mentioned to my dad the thing about not being sure what the Eucharist really means, and he gave me a book, The Seven Secrets of the Eucharist. Oh. my family's super logical, so he just gave me. A book. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: and that was really like transformative to me to like read through that and just like the the like walking with people. Right? This podcast is all mm-hmm. about like hearing people's stories, and I just mm-hmm. feel like God just kept putting people in my path. Oh. Um, that drew me into the Catholic church and helped me find that community again. But that more than that, people that helped me to understand like the truth and the wisdom and the beauty that the church offers that I'd been given my whole life because I went to Catholic school and my family would talk about it, but it just became more real. And then the person of Jesus was really present and real in the church. It wasn't like the church is all about rules and logic. And then if you want a personal relationship, you go somewhere else. It was like mm. everything right here in the faith. Um, and you, so by like my junior year, I had an internship at the church. Um, I was a religious dad intern. I pretty much, I should have just lived there. I felt like, I was, <laughs> like that. So awesome. I was like, yeah, that's that's the kind of college kid I was at Michigan State. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, everyone makes their own experience in college, right? There's no one way to do college for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned that there was like, you know, different people who have like helped and supported your faith. Was your husband one of those people? Did he, did you meet him in college or how did you guys uh, kind of come across each other?
0: Um, yeah, so I met him my, what's it? My June, my junior or senior year of college, I met him, um, And we actually met on alternative spring break through our church. We were going to two different locations, but our groups took the same bus. Um, And yeah, so I just remember like with meeting him, so many of the, this is going to sound weird, so many of like the guys that I met through the Catholic faith were just very like intense about like, there's all these rules and like, and I kind of got behind that too, like, yeah, there's like, the the, par- the student parish there, like, at the time, they didn't have kneelers, and, um like, that was, you know, kind of, there's this group of kids, like, that was scandalous, like, you have to kneel during the consecration, and, like, I, like, I, I do, like, I feel compelled to kneel because of what's going on, but, you know, so there's, like, this almost, like, overly, like, we have to be as Catholic as possible, and there's some beauty in that, but there was also some, like, immaturity in that as well, of, like, understanding the faith, and um, when I met my husband, he was, like, very like Catholic and, and on fire for his faith, but he wasn't, he wasn't like rigid. He was just very open to where God was calling him and didn't like feel like you had to fit into this box to be Catholic. And that was very refreshing for me. So, um, yeah, he was just different than most of the people that I met there, but yeah, we did. We met at through our church at Michigan
1: state. It's interesting. The thing you share about, you know, like is especially i think in an environment where you're going against the grain right to be to be very committed to faith and faith activities and campus ministry things in a large school like michigan state like you almost then like it's it's a um, and i think there's like there's good things and bad things about this that i've seen from people that like that becomes such an important part of your identity But then, almost like out of with totally good intentions, you cling to it almost too much. It's like you want to protect this. You know it's different. You know that there's other things in the outside world that you don't want to fall into. And then because of that, like wanting to wanting to protect that in a way, you can almost get like a little too intense or rules for the sake of rules or like putting up those boundaries around things. Um, But and like you said though, it's just learning to grow. And I'm sure that you've learned this in your years in parish ministry too. Like how you you kind of need to put those barriers and boundaries down to, to welcome people in. So it's like good to have them for yourself and be like, Oh yeah. Like at St. Al's right now, our pews are being redone. We don't have kneelers either. And like most people stand, but I also feel compelled to kneel. And, uh, I don't know, maybe it looks like I'm some crazy person, but like, I think, but that doesn't mean that I expect everyone to do that either, you know? So, yeah, I think it like,
0: I think he, so meeting my husband and he like had a group of friends who I knew from the church as well, but they weren't like my main crowd. Um, I think they kind of opened my eyes to the idea that like you know, God does he's not in a box, right? He loves us and he knows our hearts. So it's like you can't just judge from like the the motions that people go through. It's like God, he knows like the our hearts, right? So like if I'm not kneeling at mass, it could be for so many reasons, right? Like currently I do not kneel because my stomach gets in the way. and it's <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I just think that was really refreshing for me to kind of think like God is so much like, like that kind of took me back to that mountaintop experience almost like God is just so much bigger than me and he loves me where I'm at. And that's how he feels about every other person as well. Um, so if he can love me and you know, whatever brokenness I bring to him, of course he can love others in that same way. So
2: Yeah. So good. Elizabeth, before getting into your your present uh, passions, uh, serving the Lord at the parish, and I'm sure all kinds of adventures that flow therein and out of, um, I want to read. I know you knew these words, but I want to read them again. And have you just share what's on your heart as you hear these words uh, from Unleash the Gospel, because your life has clearly been touched. Uh, okay, no more prefacing or setting up. I'm just going to read it. Here it is. <laughs> Uh, The Archbishop writes, uh, wrote, we also recognize that Catholics are not the only ones who are seeking to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in southeast Michigan. We honor and support the efforts of our brothers and sisters in other Christian communities, communions, to bear witness to Christ. God is at work in them, and there is much we can learn from their evangelistic fervor. Wherever possible, we should work together with them to bring the light of Christ into our city and region although without ceasing to proclaim the fullness of Catholic teaching, as Pope Francis affirms because the disunity among Christians is a counter witness to the gospel commitment to unity is an indispensable path to evangelization, open-ended free question, Elizabeth, go. Um,
0: so my like comments on that. Is yeah. How that stirs your heart with
2: your own story.
0: Yeah. yeah I, I think I feel really connected to that. I think, um, just like looking at the way ministry is done. Um, I think you can get into a comfortable routine. You know, this is the way it's always happened. This is the way I know how to do it. Um, but especially like in light of this pandemic, you know, you can't, the old ways don't work anymore. And I mm. think like looking to, like, especially, I am mean, in my parish is in Troy. So we have like Kensington right around the corner. It's this huge, like, you know, Bible church. And um, oh, yeah. I think Woodside is nearby. So we have these like huge churches that are drawing people in and people are attracted to something in them. Uh Um, And I I think there's something really powerful to learn from them. And we have like, you know, we've gone over and asked them about their program and how they invite people in, because I think there is importance in in that and how we can use like the truth of our faith and the wisdom and um, like the history of our faith, I think is just so beautiful and um, the consistency of it but there are ways that we can, you know, bring that faith anew and really engage people where they're at. Um, So I, I, yeah, I think that is beautiful to realize that we are called to unity and we all have gifts to share. Um, Even if, you know, even if we're not Catholic, God still is working in our hearts just in different ways. Um, So we all have gifts in that sense.
2: That's ah, beautiful, Elizabeth. And when did you get that, when did you get the call, you, in college, you're already doing an internship in the parish, when did you get a sense that, that I want to just serve him, get it, get it, I know you got a master's, I think, we had some classes together, uh, you, yeah. when did you get that call, like, I'm just going to go after this in the church? Um, um, so yeah, I was
0: telling Emily earlier, I actually, I went into college thinking, um, like you know, knowing what I was going to do with my life, I was going to be a high school math teacher, uh, and I think I just always have liked personal connection. Um, and in college, like most of the stuff that I got involved in was different types of ministry um, and leadership roles in that. And one summer I spent working um, for young people who care It's a mission in Frenchville, Pennsylvania, and I they have like high school over the summer, like groups of high schoolers come in for a week at a time. And it's like a mission trip. And I was a leader on that. And that's when I really realized that God was calling me to serve him in his church. So I was getting a degree at that time, my degree was in communication and I loved it. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe I would do like HR or something. Um, But it just nothing. I did a couple internships in the business world and it just like there was no joy in it. There was no excitement. Um, I just kept, kept feeling called to that. Um, and I liked learning. So getting my master's was fun at the seminary. And so I pursued that. And my husband actually grew up at St. Anastasia. So we were dating at the time, but his mom was like, oh, there's a youth ministry position open. And it, it just kind of like, God just made it all fall into place. And and here I am 10 years later. the
1: Lord. And what, what is your role like at St. Anastasia now? What, how are you kind of taking, you know, the way you were being called the gifts you have, you know, you mentioned like, yeah, that God's working and giving gifts to all of us in different ways. How do you, how is that playing out at St. Anastasia now?
0: So I'm the parish catechetical leader. So I get to um, be involved in faith formation from, I help out a little bit with baptism prep um, all the way through RCIA um so again I get to do the whole spectrum I don't really do much with marriage prep that's somebody else's job but um my main part of it is religious education um but what we really focus on and it's something that I mean now that I have a family of my own but even before I had kids we kind of were trying to refocus from this like classroom style of religious education to a family style of catechesis Mm. um and over so I've been in this position for five years. So over the past five years, we've kind of um a lot of, we we're blessed we have a pretty large staff here. So I have like five staff members who work under me. Um, and we've just kind of like shifted the the job titles and the responsibilities to make it more of like how are we covering people as a family and like at every stage of faith development. So we have like a young families coordinator, we have our high school ministry coordinator. Um, and then we have like an adult faith volunteer group that we work with a lot. So just kind of trying to cover all those bases. Um And this actually over the pandemic, we switched how we do religious ed from like the weekly you sit in your class style to a family style. Um, and that was kind of it was nice. That was our, our excuse to launch. It was during um, the pandemic. Cause then you had to be home anyway with your family, but we had been praying about it since I started. Like we had gone to visit other parishes to see how they did a family program. Um, just, and then just, we have such a large, we have like over 500 kids in our program. So it's a very intimidating switch from like, this is how we've done it for the past you know 30 years or whatever to, well, guess what? Now you're going to this at home as a family and you're only going to come see us once a month so that's kind of our style now so as a family they come in once a month the parents have a session and the kids go with their grade levels um and then the rest of the month they do at home as a family so it's a little intimidating to switch to that but the pandemic kind of gave us that nice springboard like you're already home and we want to show you parents that you're capable like you don't have to know everything about the faith you just have to start having a conversation about it with with your kids so that's how we kind of do it now, um, and I think people are responding. People seem to be responding well to it. I mean, there are people that are kind of like that is that's not my thing. I want my kids to go to religious that every week, and you know they have, have other programs. But for the most part, it seems to be working well. Um, I think we need more time to see the fruits of it and see how families grow, but. Um, yeah, I just, I really enjoy kind of giving people opportunities or excuses. I like to call it to pray together and to talk about Jesus. Like sometimes I think that's all a parent needs is like, well, you have to talk to your kid about Jesus right now. And here's the questions to use and the words to say, and it just kind of opens the door to hopefully, you know, a, a lifetime of exploring and sharing in your faith together.
2: Elizabeth, did you guys tap into that Fifty Two Sundays resource? Have you oh utilized that?
0: Yeah, yeah, it totally was like our inspiration for when Oh my we gosh!
1: Launched.
0: Yeah, we were. We kind of we used some of their stuff. We had to, we added more to kind of try to make it more like there's some conversation to go with it and um, more yeah more academic. Um, but oh yeah, that was definitely love Fifty Two Sundays. We use that I, a lot. As a I know.
2: I uh, I cut you off. I got excited. I know we got a lot. Of, sorry about that. I know we got a lot of probably mothers, fathers listening that you know have children. Um, Elizabeth, if you could give them your gold, maybe you just give them like a little bit of like, here's what you do. If you're like domestic church, you're like, I wish I had that in my parish. Parent work. What are you doing? No, I'm kidding. big like, um, I wish I had that in my parish. But like give them some of your gold of like, hey, family formation. Here's here's a couple of golden tips for you. Take it, Elizabeth.
0: Okay. Well, first of all, um, it's I'm very new to this, so <laughs> you know, there's a lot to learn. And parents from my parish might be listening and be like, mm, "She doesn't know what she's talking about." Hopefully, they're not <laughs> doing that. Um, I, my oldest is four, and I have a two and a half year old. Um, and so, what we do is we just kind of try to focus on the saint. Um, like I try to uh, during the month pick out a couple saints that I know particularly my daughter who's the older one will connect with and then we'll talk about the saint and I'll print off a coloring page or something super simple um, as kind of like a starting point or if there are feast days for the month um, so I do that and then what, what we do with our like weekly lessons and religious that is we say here's the upcoming Sunday's gospel read it together as a family and then we provide a reflection and an activity to go along with it so I'd say if you are saying that I wish my parents did it by 52 Sundays or go online and look that up and start mm-hmm. with that. Cause they have, that's what they have. They have the gospel for you to reflect on. And that helps your kids connect in the mass and such, a, you know, it helps to make it more relevant to them. Um, and I think it's a good springboard. And I think as for myself, like, I, it's, I finally got in the habit of actually reading the gospel before I'd go to mass on Sunday, which yeah. at one point in my life I did that and then you, know, you get out of the habit, then when you go to mass and you hear the reading, you're not hearing it for the first time you're, you've already been praying with it and thinking about it so.
1: I've just gotten in that habit again this year as well. I don't know if you, well, I guess obviously our audience can not see it behind me, but there's a big chunky book on that shelf back there. Uh, that's Peter Kreef's like food for the soul. I think it's called, it's been Whoa. so good. And yeah, just like, I mean, I think I've like teared up in mass, like almost every Sunday this year, because wow. when you pray with it ahead of time, it does make such a difference. And 52 Sundays, like is the resource for families to be able to do that together. Um, so that's mm. great. And I pro- like, obviously, we, we love 52 Sundays here at the Archdiocese <laughs> <laughs> part of Unleash the Gospel. Um, but it's great to hear actually from a mom who's using it that it's been a helpful resource. Wow. So thank you for sharing that. Okay. We always like to ask people, Elizabeth, I don't know, again, I don't know how familiar you are with the podcast, but we always like to ask people um, after they've shared, you know, what are they doing now in their work? Like, how are they living out their call as Joyful Missionary Disciples? What is your dream? Like, what are you excited about for the year or years ahead, either from your work or from your role as mother, like as a mom, obviously excited for baby number three to Ooh. arrive, but you know, yeah. What would you say kind of like is the dream that the Holy Spirit's been putting on your heart, um, for, for your life right now?
0: Oh boy. Um, was, I need clarity. So for me personally, or for me in my ministry,
1: either one, either one,
0: I mean, I guess like I'm in such like in the mom stage of life right now with little ones and with a baby on the way. I just, my hope is that my kids love and know Jesus as much as I do. Um, and finding a balance between being a witness to them and but not scaring them or overwhelming them um so it's kind of my like daily prayer to the Lord is help me re, you know, share you with my children without drowning mm-hmm. them um but I guess like in my ministry my dream is just that um I think a lot about growing up and even still if I go back to my home parish I went to St. William in Weld Lake. that's where I grew up um I still like, if I go there, I feel like I'm at home. I feel like I can look around me and I just see all these people that I know and who love me and my family and, you know, care about us. And I, and I think we have sex of that in our parish, but my hope is that like the kids who come here, that they can feel that comfortable and that at home in the parish that as they grow up, um, that it continues to be their home. And I, I think that happens a lot. Of, you, know, stage you see a lot of multiple, multiple generations of people attending mass together. Um, But I, yeah, I guess that's my hope for the parish at large and that my job becomes unnecessary because people just want to go out and do it themselves. You know, they don't, they don't need me to do it for them. They're just so excited that they're on fire and yeah.
2: I love Elizabeth. I love those, uh, those dreams. And it reminds me, the listeners didn't hear it when we were praying together, which for the listeners is actually one of like the. Funnest parts of the show like we, there's authentic uh just outpouring of prayer before we actually push the record button and, and um emily who does some awesome side work check out real and true i swear i i don't get anything for that i just i'm convinced it's a phenomenal resource about the catechism um, and she she in her prayer some of that came in there about being created to know and love god and emily Hearing, uh, sorry, Elizabeth. Hearing your your kingdom dreams um, as, as a mother, like I I want them to know and love God is so deeply inspiring, and that they would I, I, the balance prayer is beautiful. Like Lord, help them. Help me not to give them too much. But um, man, the the children from your womb have been hearing hearing prayer and, and being there they've been given a high capacity from the very get through the very placenta okay i'll leave it at that and then the parish community that like what is the parish on the face of the earth right like it's a manifestation of the body of christ and uh the the, the union of of god with his people and his people together as family and it's so awesome Elizabeth, that your life I know nobody's life is a cupcake walk, and easy being really pregnant and all that water, but your life is so squarely aligned for the destiny you were created to live and to know Him and to love Him, and now sowing into your children and into your parish community, it's incredible what God has you doing, and so what's the thing in front of you right now, in addition to seeing the face of your beautiful third child, what's the thing that you're most excited to see? Like, Lord, I I can't wait to see this come to pass in addition to the birth.
0: (laughs) Oh man, it's honestly, it's hard for me to think past the birth of my child right now. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, that's a hard question. I think I just, I think especially in light of this pandemic, there's just been such like a pulling away from volunteering and getting involved because we've been home so much and there's so much uncertainty. And should we go out? Should we not go out? And am I exposing my children and things like that? But um, I guess my like biggest hope for what's to come is just that um, our church will be flooded with people, safely flooded with people on fire for Jesus um, and that it won't feel like, or I'm, I won't feel guilty asking people to volunteer, that people will, want to just step in because they'll see how God's calling them and they'll see that they have gifts to offer and they'll want to contribute that um yeah I think that's
2: kind of my I love it and I'm gonna I'll loop it back to Emily I just have to say Elizabeth you are such a shining example of uh Matthew six thirty three: seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness that I just love what God's doing in your life and I pray everybody who's listening is inspired uh, to keep seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness. Over to you, Emily.
1: I, I was also inspired when saying, you know, that your dream for your kids and, Like, and it was like full circle back to that moment with your dad, right. Where like, I'm sure his calmness, as you Uh, tell him, like that you are going to be non-denominational now, like that his calmness was like, he knew you were seeking Jesus. And so he wasn't concerned, you know, that like you were exploring other paths. So your dream for your kids to like, to know, and to love God, like, which is from the catechism, which I, uh, it's currently my favorite thing in the world. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. uh, It's that your dad had that. And that's what you want to give to your kids, just so that they can come to know, to know that same way in their own way. Right. Cause if you're seeking mm. Jesus, then, then he's not going to let like, he's not going to hide. Right. So that's a great. Wow. We're so grateful so for your time and your testimony, yeah. Elizabeth. Thank you so much. We um, mm-hmm. like to close in prayer. It, father Patrick's yeah. right. Sometimes is a really inspiring, beautiful opening prayer mm-hmm. to get us just like all infused with the Holy spirit mm-hmm. when we begin recording, but we also like to close with prayer in a way that yeah. the listeners can hear. So Elizabeth, would you mind starting and then we'll kind of go around and father Patrick can end.
0: Lord, we just, we thank you for the gift. Um, of being able to share you and how you work in our lives. And, um, I thank you that for calling you to be here on this show right now, um, and just to share how you've stirred my own heart. Um, and I just pray that as we hear each other's stories and as we continue this journey with you, that, um, in all things that we can seek you, um, and how you're calling us and how you can love us more deeply and how through knowing you and loving you, we can also love others more deeply. So just continue mm-hmm. to move in our hearts, Lord
1: give you thanks for Elizabeth and for um, the moms. And we just like pray in a special way for all the college students out there who are trying to, you know, cling to their faith and navigate uh, sometimes challenging waters um, in that environment. And we pray for them in a special way that they can be like Elizabeth and just find Jesus and uh, stay, stay close to him during that time Um, and pray also for all moms during this time. Um, and give thanks for just the way that Elizabeth has shared her story here on the podcast today.
2: Uh, and Father, on behalf of Elizabeth and her husband, a uh, fellow beloved Spartan, the NCAA tournament's at hand, and we, we asked for a title. No, Father, <laughs> please bless all of our listeners, Father, uh, whatever team is theirs, and please bless Elizabeth with an amazing uh, delivery, healthy delivery may God bless everybody who spent the time on this podcast. May he bless you beyond all you could ask or imagine to have a heart on fire and to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and let it shine into the world around you, unleashing the gospel. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Amen. Thanks for listening to another episode of Open Door Policy, where we hear stories of different joyful missionary disciples in Southeast Michigan and how they encounter, grow, and witness in their love for Christ. You can find more episodes at UnleashTheGospel.org forward slash podcast or on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. God bless you guys.